God can do anything. I want you to repeat this word, these words after me, okay? So, um, even if you're locked out, say that. Even if you're locked in, God can do anything. Remember that. If you forget everything else, remember that. Okay, so some years ago, when, when we still lived in Illinois, so that was quite a while ago now, we've lived here seven years, and um, we lived in, uh, you've heard me talk about our old house we lived in, it was like a 90 to 100 year old house, um, beautiful brick, old Chicago bungalow style house, and, and uh, second floor, and dormers and stuff that come out, you know, and, and uh, neat roof lines. Well, one of the things, I don't know that I've shared this, is there was a day where, um, because it was an old house, I had a roof leak, doesn't have to be an old house to have a roof leak. Maybe you have one, we have one too. But it's just the problem. And I, I realized, okay, I got to go up on this roof and figure this out because I'm too cheap to hire somebody to go do it. And I thought, hey, I'll just go up there with a caulk gun and maybe I can fix it because I kind of knew where it was coming in. And, and uh, it was cold fall day. Winter hadn't come yet, but it was starting to get pretty cold. It was probably in the 40s, 50 degree range, dropping during the day. It was kind of windy. But I went out there thinking, hey, I'm just going to get up there, get this done, come right back down. So I really didn't get dressed to stay out very long. It was just going to be a quick thing anyway. And um, I got our extension ladder out. I put it up by our patio um, and uh, pushed it up. And it was a second floor roof line way, way up there. And I'm not generally super scared of heights. And I thought, no big deal. I'll just go up there. And so I tilted the ladder up there. I climb up, got the cock gun hanging from my belt behind me. And uh, I got up there and I thought, you know, I probably should have extended the ladder a little higher because there was only about this much showing above the roof line. And if you've ever been at a height like that and an angle, and, and the thing is with this old house and uh, the design of it, it was a pretty steep roof line. And so I scaled up the side of the roof line, just looking ahead, because I was trying to get over by the chimney, which is where I thought the leak was. So I kind of shimmied over up this roof line, and uh, I, I looked around, and sure enough, there was this little hole. I could see wood through it. All right, I started just filling it with caulk. I'm like, this is going to fix it. Good deal. And, and I finished, and, and really, a couple minutes, I was done. Kind of looked it all over. I'm like, all right, time to go back. And I turn around, and I look back down, and it just hit me. It's a long way down, and the steep roof line was more than I could handle. I just started shaking. I started wigging out a little bit, I, and I could just see this little edge of ladder at the edge. And I'm like, if I start sliding, I'm going to slide right past it, and I couldn't do it. And I'm hanging onto the chimney thinking, now what? What do I do? And I'm thinking, well, uh, thankfully, I told Shane, I'm on the roof um, shouldn't take long, I'm going to be working up there, but if you hear a loud thud, that's bad. And maybe come and check on me if you hear something like that. And, and so, I'm hanging on this, the, and I'm like, well, maybe she'll check on me. And I'm like, all right, I, I got to figure this out. And I finally realized, okay, if I shimmy off the edge of the roof line on a different angle right by the chimney, it drops down five or six feet to a flatter roof line of a dormer area off the, the back, um, back porch. And... I thought, well, that's perfect because that's right where our bedroom window is and I can just knock there or I'll just open it because a lot of times we open that up and it had already been cold and our boiler was going and, you know, you, old houses, you can't always control the heat so you open windows, real efficient, right? And um, we always leave that window open, I'll just climb in. So I, I shimmied off, I'm like, perfect. I went up to the window, it's locked. Like, when is it ever locked? I'm like, maybe this one's open. Nope, it's locked. I'm like, well, no problem, I'll just knock. And so I started knocking on the window. 
And it looked pretty hard for a little while, waited, waited, waited. And our kids were pretty young at that point, so I didn't necessarily expect the kids to come. But I, I thought for sure Shane would come and like, knock it. I'm waiting. Knocked again. Um, did, did I mention it was cold? And, and I even also think, like, when people say, well, if God closes a door, he'll open a window. Well, not this day, right? I, I was knocking, and I'm knocking. I'm like, where is she? Like, I, why isn't she coming to help me? Like, I'm up here on the roof. I told her I'm on the roof. Why isn't she coming? I'm knocking, and I'm pounding, and, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, this is crazy. And I'm, half hour has gone by. It's now 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and uh, I'm waiting for somebody to walk by on the street that I can, you know, shout down, because... We lived on the edge of a corner or the corner house across from a park and there were always people walking the neighborhood. Not that day. There's nobody for 45 minutes. And I'm like yelling out, hey, anybody out there? Like into the neighborhood. There's nobody in their yard. I mean, we're surrounded by houses. I felt so alone and I'm freezing and I'm like, oh, this is bad. And then, and I'm, I'm knocking and not, nobody's coming. Like, this is ridiculous. And what are they possibly doing? Finally, after an hour, and my teeth are chattering at this point, a couple walks by, and I recognize them. They've been guests in church that morning on a Sunday, and uh, they were guests of a family, for, and they were like, I shouted out, hey, could you help me? They're like, Pastor Mark? And, and, and I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, not a long story, but could you ring the doorbell for me and get my family's attention? I'm stuck up here. They're like, oh, that's probably not real funny. Like, no, it's not. And so they ring the doorbell. Nobody comes to the doorbell. Now, just let me take a poll. How many of you, when your doorbell rings randomly, you often think it's probably somebody selling something and you don't always answer it? That's us. I needed somebody to answer the door. Nobody answered. And they ring the bell, ring the bell. Finally, after another 15 minutes, we're like, we're trying to help you, Pastor. And then they finally Somebody came to the door and they said, hey, your, your husband's up on the roof. She's like, what? And, and so comes up to the window. She opens it. My wife was so mad at me. And I'm like, why are you mad at me? I'm like, what have you been doing? Why didn't you come to help me? She's like, why were you making all that noise? The kids are trying to sleep. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Talk about misunderstanding. You ever been stuck on that roof, right? Where you're locked out? Or maybe for you, you know what it is also to be locked in. And whether you're locked out, whether you're locked in, the reality is the same. It can be a very lonely place. And I don't just mean with home maintenance, you probably guess from going. I mean, it's true spiritually. When By choices we've made, things we've said, things we've done, where we have pretty much locked ourselves in to guilt and shame or anger or bitterness. And, and we look at this thing, oh, I guess I got to live here. But it is such a lonely place. I mean, for you, it's based in an addiction or something that just doesn't seem to go away. And you just, you just keep knocking. It's like maybe, maybe one day it, it'll be better. And it just doesn't seem to change. Your reality of guilt and shame continues. And you feel locked in or you feel locked out. And, and the hurt has been caused. And you're like, how do, I, how do I break free? Because you're in a prison. Maybe that's you today. Remember what I started with? If you've been locked out, or you've been locked in, God can still do anything. And I think we all need to hear that today. Whether that dynamic is playing out in our family, whether it's 
playing out in our neighborhood, whether it's playing out at the office, whether it's playing on in our personal lives. If we're trying to live life by ourselves and we're saying, like, nobody's listening anymore. I'm all alone, just feeling trapped. Listen to what God says today. You heard what I read, right? Where, where Peter is arrested. And this is kind of a big deal. And you think about it. Okay, so we had just learned in, in chapter 12 that this persecution is breaking out again. Now, it happened earlier in Acts chapter 7. A persecution had broken out in, in the church against the church at the time. And, and remember, a guy by the name of Saul was leading the charge in that, giving approval of the persecution. Stephen is put to death. Uh, he's the first martyr in the early church. But then we, we face this time of relative peace where the church that's now been scattered, diasporoed out into the world, scattered, um, is now going and preaching the word wherever they are. But there's relative peace, and now that's about to change again. And, and it's under the, the reign of, of King Herod, we find out. And just I'll read that again, verse 1 of chapter 12. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with his sword. Let's not read over that too quickly. Who's James, the brother of John? Well, James, the brother of John. That's the answer. Remember James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Jesus calls them. They're fishermen. And he said, come follow me. And they drop their nets, leave everything, and they follow Jesus. They're two of the original disciples. We find out James has been martyred at the hand of Herod. Now, Herod, you might say, what, does this guy never go away? Wasn't King Herod already in reign way back when Jesus was born? And and the, the slaughter of the innocents, and Joseph and, and, and Mary have to escape down to Egypt, and isn't that Herod? Well, yeah, that was King Herod. That was Herod the Great. This is the grandson of King Herod, Herod Agrippa I, that now is bringing further persecution against God's people, and it's happening here. Just imagine this. A prominent individual like James, one of the original disciples and apostle, is put to death. Now, he's not the first person to die for faith in Jesus, but He's now the first of the original 12 to be put to death. And imagine just the, the tone of the church at that time. To know that James has been put to death. And it says at the sword, it means he was probably beheaded um, publicly. And now Herod has arrested Peter to be the next one. And yeah, there's a trial, but everybody knows it's a fixed trial. Peter's not going to deny that he knows Jesus. He's not going to deny the faith. No, this, this is going to end in death. And, and it says here that while this reality is playing out, there's a picture of what the church was doing. And, and did you notice it? It was in verse 5 where it said the church was holding public demonstrations and complaining that their rights were being infringed on. Did, did you read that? And say that. They were going on social media and blasting everybody outside the church. No, it doesn't say that either. No, it says that they were praying, earnestly praying. And I think this is important, and we need to hear this and be reminded of it again and again. Um, in the last hundred years, more people have lost their lives or shed their blood for the faith in Jesus than at all previous generations combined. And they've done statistical analysis of this and figured out more people have died for faith in Jesus in recent days. Persecution is around every day. Um, praise be to God in the United States, we're pretty sheltered from that. Oh, I get it. Oh, somebody doesn't like what you say or that you go to church and they give you a hard time at the office. Folks, that's not persecution. <laughs> um, you're not shedding your blood 
to be able to whimsically talk to them and continue to encourage them in Jesus' name, even when you're challenged in the face of that. Oh, my goodness, God has called us to bear witness as the diaspora today. Um, but at the church, even in the days of bloodshed, in the church today, may we never be vigilant and vigilantes and on a vanguard of anger toward the culture. No, God has called us to love people, even in the face of persecution. This is so radically different. It's against our intuition to think that we could respond with love, even in the face of anger and hostility. I love just that thought today. And, and or as Tertullian, one of the church fathers, he once said this, that the, the, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And what's he mean by that? That we can see throughout history when there has been aggression and, and persecution, where there's bloodshed of those who follow Jesus, it doesn't squelch the church. It actually, the church actually builds up and actually expands and the diaspora continues even beyond. Because what happens when we're comfortable, we just get indifferent. And, and it really leads us to say, you know what? This matters because life is on the line. It's a powerful thought. Maybe a humbling and even sobering thought to think about today. Well, there's another thing that Tertullian said. I find this kind of fascinating too. He says this um, about when one is being held in prison, locked up for the faith. He says, the legs feel nothing in the stocks when the heart is in heaven. Isn't that great? a great quote? That we can face challenges in this world for the faith in Christ as followers in a relationship with him because our hearts are in heaven. That's our true home. Our, our reality is we're just passing through and, and that brings a new perspective. Tertullian said that and the reason I bring that up is notice what happens next when Peter is put in jail. And we just read these words. And Peter is there. Church is earnestly praying for him and they're praying, Lord, you know, they were praying for James too and that didn't, like, well, why do they keep praying? Well, they pray because God teaches us prayer is a, a sign of reliance and, and a trust. And, and we know God can do what we can't do. And God can do anything. When we're locked up, we're locked out. And the church is praying. And here's Peter. And he has this angel appear to him. And, and notice how many people are guarding the guy. And he's got 16 soldiers on him that Herod has, Herod has just surrounded Peter. And it's almost like Herod has heard the reputation of this Jesus and what he's able to do is miraculous. And like, well, he's not getting past my 16 guards. Like, show me, right? And, and yet, God is up for that challenge. Peter gets wakened up by this, this angel. And it says that he does a Harry Houdini. The, the chains fall off his wrist. It's not an escape act. This is a miraculous act of God. And the chains fall. And the guards somehow don't see as Peter walks out. And Peter thinks it's just a dream. And he's walking out. And the gate opens up. And, and he's a free man. And he comes to. He's like, how did this happen? And he realizes God has done what only God can do. In a situation like that. To open a door when he was locked in. And to give him freedom. And I love how then, what's the next thing he does? He goes to the house where the other believers are gathered. They're praying. He's wondering about this. And he goes and he says that, where does he go? I lost the verse. Anyway, oh, there it is. Peter went down and said, um, I'm actually in the wrong chapter. That's why I can't find it. There we go. Let's try again. Um, now he goes and he goes to the house of the mother of Mary, Mary the mother of John Mark. And it says here, where many people gathered and were praying, verse 13, Peter knocked at the outer entrance 
And a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, isn't this awesome? She was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it. And exclaimed, Peter's at the door. They're like, you're out of your mind, lady. And Peter's meanwhile knocking. And I'm like, come on, are you not going to let me in? I've escaped. I'm like, I'm free. And, and does he have a story to tell? Of what God can do and that God can do anything. Whether you're locked out, whether you're locked in, God can do anything. Now get back to your circumstance today. Maybe you're locked in a circumstance or situation. Maybe you're locked in or as a result of it, you've been locked out of living life to the full. And you're like, how do I go on? This is overwhelmingly lonely. Do you hear what our God says? Keep knocking. Don't give up. Keep praying. A gospel reading reminds us of that. Jesus himself says these words. The one who conquers the grave, the one who would go the way of death and face sin in our place is the one who gives us a gift. He says, you have a relationship with me and you can ask me for anything and I hear you. I listen. Keep knocking. Don't give up. Jesus tells that parable. He says, you know, I'll tell you, if you, if you have a neighbor, a friend, and, and you have guests that arrive late at night, and, and you go and you realize, man, the grocery store is closed, and, and even Walgreens is closed, I've got nothing to feed them, and you go to your neighbor and you knock for food, and they say, no, I'm in bed with my kids. Are you kidding me? I, come back tomorrow. Like, no, I need the food. My guests are waiting. And Jesus says, he won't come to the door because you're his friend. He'll finally come to the door because you keep knocking. And Jesus isn't saying, see, that's the way it is with God. He's annoyed with you for knocking. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, how much more so? When you have a relationship with your heavenly father who willingly wouldn't give you something to harm you or bring up detriment to you, brother, he loves you. So as his kids, keep asking, keep knocking, keep praying, earnestly calling upon the one who listens. And as Jesus clarifies, how much more so, and I love how this ends, will the father not give anything that his children want? Is that what it said? It's not what it said. Jesus never says that God the father is a vending machine that just wants to make us happy. It's not his goal, that's not his goal at all. But rather he says, how much more so will the father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And if anything, what we've been seeing through this whole time is that when God sends the Holy Spirit, even when the circumstances are still bleak and difficult, what God can do is miraculously change minds and hearts in the midst of it. And maybe that's the miracle that God is preparing you for as you ask him for release from where you feel trapped and, and locked in or locked out is maybe the greater miracle is God is going to release your mind and your heart of bitterness and anger and pain and resentment. Maybe that's the greater miracle. Or maybe God is going to change the circumstance and it's going to be miraculous and, and there's going to be healing, which he can do that too. And sometimes he does. But sometimes he doesn't. But either way, there's a miracle. When God's people are transformed in his presence as people in response to his love who seek him as the spirit leads in prayer. Never giving up, but continuing to knock whether we're locked in or locked out. Our God can do anything. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. And we pray, just like Peter experienced firsthand being locked in, that you're a God who can set us free. And when we're locked out, you're a God who can open doors. Lord Jesus, may we, as your people, 
seek you with all that we are. May you continue to transform our minds and hearts by your Spirit's leading and transform us to see more clearly what your will and what your desire is in any and every circumstance. Shape us, mold us. But Lord, may our eyes be open to a God who can do anything because it's a miraculous thing when our God moves. And Lord, you are on the move among us. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.